Penn State football is absolutely killing it for the class of 2024, and they've had a lot of success in the Midwest. But is it a fluke? I'm not buying that. And there's actually a particular reason why Penn State has done so well with recruiting out in the Midwest. You are Locked On Nittany Lions, your daily podcast on the Penn State Nittany Lions, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks so much for making Locked On Nittany Lions your first listen and watch every single day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. And Penn State Rivals is your place to go to for everything Penn State Athletics, now partnered, of course, with Locked On Nittany Lions here. So happyvalleyinsider.com is your home for everything Penn State Athletics. And your go-to podcast is Locked On Nittany Lions. My name is Zach Seiko, your host, and I'm joined by... Clint Cosgrove, National Recruiting Analyst for both Rivals and Yahoo Sports, joining me on this episode because we got a lot to talk about as far as Penn State's recruiting success out in the Midwest. Clint, thank you so much for the time today. Where can people keep up with your work before we move any further? Well, you can find me on, uh, well, at Rivals.com. I'm one of the national analysts, so all of my content goes on the front page there, and then it's picked up by the individual team sites. Uh, I'm pretty active on Twitter, so you see it right there, Rivals underscore Clint. Uh, Instagram is the same, Rivals underscore Clint. Uh, But yeah, I put out a ton of content from podcasts, videos, written, whatever it may be. I have a new feature coming out today called From the Film Room, where I'll uh, sit down and break down the film of Top Recruit and and talk about what makes them special. So uh, you can find me a little bit everywhere, but mostly at Rivals.com and then uh, some stuff with uh, Yahoo Sports. Perfect. You're the guy that is going to be the expert in this case because Penn State, I mean, particularly in Wisconsin, right, uh, has had recent success for the class of 2024 and a little bit further back because we're going to talk about a Kalen King who's going to be an NFL prospect, was an intriguing high school prospect not too long ago out of Michigan and now is in that NFL conversation, which you had a recent article about. But let's start with Donovan Harbor, Garrett Sexton, Corey Smith, all those guys. It's just just in particular why Why do you believe that Penn State has done so well in the Wisconsin area? Uh, I, I have my reasons. I have my opinions. Uh, but I, I want to go back and forth about this. What do you believe has led to the success and potentially more coming out of that state and then just the Midwest region for 2024 recruiting? Yeah, I think it's a, it's a multifaceted answer. And there's no direct uh answer there's there's a lot of different speculation and as to why i think this happened um but i think it started uh not just this year but the the seeds were kind of planted in years past um you know wisconsin for the longest time uh, especially under barry alvarez and then you know bielema they locked down the state there was pretty much a border around the state and uh in state recruiting it was a priority you didn't lose anybody um then as things started to wane on the recruiting front uh under paul chris uh, you know, fantastic coach, a lot of success. Uh, I think the recruiting is probably what did him in. And, um, you know, it fell off a little. They lost two of the top three prospects in the state, I believe, last year. And these are big time players like Carson Hintzman, who's already has a redshirt freshman slotted as the number one center on the offensive line. You know, you think Wisconsin, you think offensive line. So to lose a player like that. Um, so that that uh, that fence around the state isn't necessarily it's got some holes in it right now and then you have a new transition of a new staff and still they're still learning the lay of the land uh the importance of keeping players home i know they're going to make it an effort moving forward uh but you know penn state and the coaches there they've had the advantage 
of recruiting Wisconsin and Wisconsin players are at least being familiar with the area, uh, especially with their efforts in, in Detroit and Chicagoland as well, um, where, you know, they, they, they had a little better understanding probably of the lay of the land. And then so you got new staff and new staff with that comes new priorities. Yes, you do want to lock down the state in order to be a championship caliber team at Wisconsin. You do have to keep the best players home because you're not going to go into Georgia and take their top talent, just like a Georgia can come to Wisconsin and take who they want. So, um, you know, uh, it's it, it's multifaceted. I think uh, Wisconsin, it'll be a slow burn, but uh, they're doing a great job on the recruiting trail and and they'll work towards locking down that state. Um, but when they came in, um, you know, the, there's, a, there's a couple of different variables here. Uh, Donovan Harbor was not a kid that they had recruited at Cincinnati. Um, you know, it, it wasn't a guy that they went all in on right away. Uh, in, in the meantime, there was a lot of big time programs that, you know, uh, were, were, were in on them, uh, including Penn State and ultimately Penn State. And so as they were getting their bearings, you know, that that allowed some opportunity, I think, for a school like Penn State, who who has had some, some success, uh, you know, most recently um, with uh, Jerry Cross, who, who's from Milwaukee. Uh, mm-hmm. in, I believe the 23 class, uh, might've been 22. I'm getting old. I don't 22. know. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. So, so there, there, there was that base there. Uh, there was that experience there, the relationships there. And then, uh, they took advantage of the situation and, uh, went in and, and took some, some very good players for the state. Um, you know, Corey Smith, uh, I'm sure he is a take at Wisconsin all day, any day. Um, you know, his good friend, Donovan Harbor goes out to Penn state. They both had a relationship a little bit with Jerry Cross as well. They're from the same area, even though uh, Jerry did not go to the private school, uh, Waukesha Catholic Memorial, uh, you know, the mm-hmm. same as they did. Uh, but they did have a relationship with them. And then the other Midwest kids there, uh, Midwest kids, if they are going to go away from home, I think there's two very comforting elements to Penn State. One, uh, it's in the Big Ten. They grew up watching Penn State. Uh, if they were a Wisconsin fan, they just saw Penn State. Um and then, uh, too, you know, there's already a, a group of guys from their region that they can connect with and uh, have a little taste of home there. So I think both of that helps. And then uh, I just uh, I remember the first time I walked onto that field at Penn State and I remember just looking up and being like, this is insane. You know, 107,000 people wide out. Now, this was back. Joe Pa was the coach. I was like, it reminded me of walking into the Coliseum in the movie Gladiator. And that always stuck with me as an incredible environment. So I think it checks a lot of the boxes for these Midwest kids and, um, you know, the game day environment and, and, and the effort that they put into recruiting on top of that. Uh, it's kind of the perfect storm to land these big time recruits out of Wisconsin. Yeah, they've had three so far, Corey Smith and Donnie Harbor, as you mentioned, and then Garrett Sexton, too. So two offensive linemen and the one running back, I think. And I agree wholeheartedly with the part in the conversation we had beforehand leading up to, you know, us uh, joining on the podcast here, Clint, is that Luke Fickle, who's now the head coach at Wisconsin, there were all those changes and there was a little bit of vulnerability, right? You said particularly that Fickle didn't recruit them at Cincinnati, and that's and that's fine. That's not a place that he was targeting. But in, in this case, there's not really that familiarity yet that you mentioned that Fickle and this staff uh, have to get used to and, and being able to connect with Wisconsin. They were focused on Ohio, which makes perfect sense. You know, Franklin and them, they saw a weakness 
And they took advantage of that. They knew that Wisconsin's recruiting was going to be a little down just with the transition. Even though Paul Chris was fired midseason, it was still that that regime change from Chris to Fickle that opened the door for just about anybody to go into Wisconsin and recruit some of those top-tier guys, and Penn State just happens to. I mean, no mercy from James Franklin, right? He sees a vulnerability, Never. and he took he took full advantage of that because all, all is fair and love in recruiting wars in this case. No question. No question. They did a great job. They picked their spot, and uh, they were very efficient in doing so. It is locked on Nittany Lions. We're talking some Penn State recruiting, class of 2024 uh, and beyond, really, just with how they're doing in the Midwest. Uh, Clint and I are going to discuss some other prospects, including the three from Wisconsin for 2024, but there is some intrigue uh, around some other guys as well that Penn State uh, could be in on. But before we get to that and Kalen King and how he projects as an NFL prospect, let's hear from our sponsor of today's episode, and that is Built. Are you looking for a delicious snack, but you don't want all of the sugar and calories? Totally under understand because you need to try the best tasting protein bar out there and that is built if you're like me where you want to make healthier snack choices but you don't want to compromise on all the tastes i've got the thing for you it's built pars and built pops built bars are healthy and they taste amazing seriously they're so amazing you won't think that they are good for you you got to try them now what makes built bars so good well for starters they're covered in 100 real chocolate that is right real dark chocolate and they come in unbelievably tasty flavors churro peanut butter brownie and cookies and cream i'm really not sure how built does it but these bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros and what's even better is that they are healthy for you only 130 calories four grams of sugar and a whopping 17 grams of protein and now you don't need to wait around to get a box anymore for years we've been telling you to go to built.com and you can still do that you can go get your specialty flavors at built.com but now you can go to walmart or Sam's Club. So if you're near a Walmart, go to the pharmacy section and grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick up a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate bar, or coconut puff. And if you're close to a Sam's Club run-in, grab a 13-bar box with hit flavors like brownie batter puff and churro puff. You can thank me later. And thanks again so much for making Locked On Nittany Lines your first listen and watch every single day. More's coming up on the podcast, of course. Uh, basketball, the changes that are going on. Penn State losing out on some key figures. Got to discuss that and how they're going to continue to fill out the roster. Also missing on some key recruits as well. But Penn State football, not really so much missing on those recruits. And that's why we bring in a person like Clint Cosgrove to talk about just that. Uh, your impressions when Penn State lands, it, it, there's so much that can be said for guys like Garrett Sexton, Corey Smith, and Donnie Harbor, but just uh, what is your brief impression for all three of them together to join this Penn State class of 2024? What kind of impact together can they have, Clint? Uh, together, I think they can be very good. Uh, they're both, I mean, not both, they're all high, high upside kids, and they each bring something different to the table. Um, you know, as a group, uh, you know, and you, there's no sure things in recruiting. You can do your research, you can do your evaluations. Um, but, you know, these are at the same time, they're kids, they get homesick. Uh, you know, if they aren't given an opportunity right away, sometimes uh, that, that, that hits hard. And um, so, so there's a lot of variables, but each of them has a chance to be, uh, you know, all big 10 caliber players, in my opinion. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll start with Corey, uh, Corey Smith, the running back. Um, he's just a heck of a back. 
And, um, you know, he, he, he can, he can hit the home run. He has great vision. He's a patient runner, uh, great laterally. His burst is fantastic and, uh, his balance as well. And, uh, the other thing you like about him is he, he can be a three down back. Now he's a little thin right wow. now. So he's going to have, he's going to have to work on pass pro and stuff like that, but he can catch the ball and, uh, and, you know, he's, he's at full speed at a, at a few steps. So, uh, you know, you, you really like his upside. Um, you know, when I was uh, getting ready to do his commitment interview, you know, I was just going through his Twitter and looking at some things uh, just to make sure I had all the facts right before we filmed. And um, there was one play that uh, Bally's Wisconsin put on there from the state championship game where he hits the hole and he is running hard and then he gets wrapped up uh, at the second level. He manages to spin out of it. There's another guy there to tackle him and he just outruns everybody. So. Uh, again, uh, you talk about the acceleration from getting tackled to breaking into the tackle to, to keeping his balance, to hitting the home run and, and ultimately scoring a touchdown. Those are the type of things that you can expect from him. I think he does have the ability to carve out an early role. Now, is he going to be your three dom starting back right away? No. I mean, that, that takes time in the Big Ten and uh, not many people can take uh, that beating, you know, just fresh out of high school as well. And uh, although he does have good size, he's a little slight right now. He's going to be huge once he gets in that in a college weight program. And I expect him to maintain all of his athletic ability, speed and everything like that. So um, he's got a chance to be very good. Now, his teammate, uh, Donovan Harbor, is yeah. a guy that um, he, he's an upside play. You know, he's he's a big guy and uh, he can move. He can move. He's a, he's, he's a technician, but at the same time, he's very raw in his, uh, in his development. And I don't mean that in a bad way because he's a very good player right now, but he's just raw in terms of what he can eventually be. And when you're recruiting, that's what you're looking for. You're not recruiting the guy who is this guy now. You're, you're not expecting a freshman offensive lineman unless they are an absolute physical freak um, to come in and play right away. So when you look at him as a developmental prospect and you look at his upside, his feet, his athleticism, his frame, you know, he's got that prototypical interior frame, interior body. Um, he can do a little bit of everything. He can zone block, gap scheme stuff, uh, does well in pass pro. Uh, he's another guy that getting in that weight program, getting in that meal program, you know, he'll shed a little weight. And I think he'll be a much better player because of it. Uh, he's like I said, he's already athletic at the size he's at. But if he could get a little more muscle, trim a little more fat, and uh, and really maximize his skill set, that would enable him to maximize his skill set. You know, that's where you see the upside with him. And then uh, you know, Sexton, the other one, he's a guy that you know, kind of an undersized player, but you know, very long and incredible upside. You know, I'm one of those guys when I was recruiting. Uh, I like the, the, the tight end converts, you know, the guys who are six, seven, maybe 235, 240 pounds coming out of high school because they have the athleticism and they're not going to lose that, especially if they're a wide frame guy who can add plenty of mass without really, you know, becoming stiff and, and all of that. Those guys with those frames, they tend to keep their athleticism and then the weight is going to come with time. So when you look at him athletically, lengthwise, what he can be when he's a finished product, I mean, I, I think as far as offensive line goes, he, uh, you know, Harbor's the better player right now, but he has as much or more upside than Harbor does 
Um, and I think his versatility, he, he can end up being a bookend tackle, uh, but he could also, you know, flip inside. He could, he could be an interior guy with the added weight. Um, so there's just so much to like about him as well. Now, his recruitment was was different. You know, a lot of people, yeah. they questioned the size. They worried about that. It was a slow burn, and then it kind of blew up. Uh, I believe Wisconsin did not actually extend an offer until after he announced either a top list or that he would be committing. So they were late to the party. Now they would not have offered if they didn't feel strongly about his upside and his ability. So I think that's one that they definitely wanted. It was just a little too late. Uh, And, uh, you know, I understand that from Wisconsin standpoint as well, because you can either do things the quick way or you can get settled you can do things the way you have done a proven path to success. Like they had at Cincinnati and not rush things and still not have it be a detriment to your long-term recruiting needs. But yeah, would they like to have these guys? Absolutely. Um, Penn state did a fantastic job swooping in. And uh, you know, those are, those are three guys who have NFL upside. Wow. Wow. Penn state really got some guys uh, out of the Midwest here. Uh, and again, unlocked on Nittany lines, of course, we're going to continue to talk about these types of the recruiting news that's going to come out towards the summer here. And of course, Penn state men's basketball and locked on Nittany lines. Now your go-to podcast for Penn state rivals, visit happyvalleyinsider.com for everything Penn state athletics. Again, I'm Zach Seiko, your host as always joined by Clint Cosgrove from rivals and Yahoo sports. And since Penn state has already they've gone into Wisconsin particularly, and yes, again, we're, Kalen King, we're going to finish up with, and just he's somebody that, of course, with his brother, Kobe King, they got from Michigan. But then you also have other guys that they're interested in for 2024, 2025. Clint, what insight do you have? Again, national recruiting analyst. So you're the person to talk to, to read uh, your articles when it comes to these kinds of things. So who are some of the other intriguing players right now that Penn State has a lean on? Uh, maybe there's someone that they're extremely confident that they could get at the end of the day out of that Midwest area, whether it is just Wisconsin, again, if the Badgers are failing at this or any other neighboring States like a Michigan. Yeah. um, You know, I I think there's, there's only so many prospects in Wisconsin on a yearly Mm -hmm. basis. This is actually probably a, 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 one of the more talented classes that Wisconsin has had in a couple of years uh, from the state. And so I don't know how many more that they could <laughs> that they could wrangle in unless they flip a kid who's already committed to Wisconsin. So um, yeah. I think you really look towards Michigan, where they've had a ton of success in the past. I mean, you've got Kari Jackson committed, uh, who's mm-hmm. going to be a heck of a player, sideline to sideline defender. You know, you talk about Kalen King, another Detroit guy. So there's that pipeline there. They've done an excellent job recruiting it over the years. And, uh, you know, they, there's, there's two guys in the 24 class who I think Penn State is at least in on, if not towards the top of the list. And uh, the first being Nicholas Marsh. Uh, they call him, uh, you know, Baby Tron, uh, just like uh, Charles, what, Charles Johnson, the old Lions receiver who played at Georgia Calvin, Yeah, Calvin and, uh, Johnson. Calvin yeah. Johnson. Calvin Johnson. I got yeah. mixed up with uh, Charles Rogers, uh, another <laughs> Michigan guy. So, um but uh, just a fantastic player, physical specimen, <laughs> yeah. extremely, extremely polished, great ball skills, was just with him. He was at our Cincinnati Rivals camp, <clears throat> not this past weekend, but the weekend before. Phenomenal job there. Uh, he was originally committed to Michigan State. He's a top 70 player in the nation, one of the best available receivers, one of the best receivers, period, in the nation. 
And, uh, and, and I don't know if this has been formally announced, but he will be visiting. Uh, I think the first official visit that he's taking is to Penn State on June 9th. So that is one to keep a close eye on. He's got three scheduled right now. I think they'll end up with five total. Um, but, uh, you know, Penn State's looking good here. Uh, another kid, the connections from Detroit. Every time I, I, I interview a recruit that has Penn State on their list from the Detroit area, they, yeah. they speak of the guys who have gone there and the success that they've had. And that really sticks out to them. So um, there's a built-in pipeline there. The kids are close in that community. Uh, they're recruiting each other. So, you know, Mick, Nick Marsh is definitely one to watch. Jeremiah Beasley, uh, another four-star linebacker, kind of in the mold of Kari Jackson, sideline to sideline guy. Kid plays running back as well. A uh, heck of a player. Now, he had dropped, I believe it was a top seven or, or something like that, and then announced a commitment date. And then shortly after announcing all of that, uh, both Colorado and Penn State came in. Now, the last time I did an interview with him, he said that Colorado and Penn State would be players in his recruitment. I don't know the latest. I don't know uh, what Penn State's linebacker board looks like right now as far as yep. what they're looking to take in addition to what they have. But he is a guy that that is extremely intriguing. And uh, I know, you know, uh, Penn State is a place of interest for him. Uh, Satterwhite, offensive lineman out of uh, Ohio, fantastic player. Uh, you know, SEC offers from, offers from coast to coast. Uh, you know, he's been out to Penn State at least once, if not a couple times. I know uh, he is high on Penn State. There was a rumor at one point that he was going to commit to Penn State. So that's the one to keep an eye on. And then there's a guy named Davon Hall. Now, we have him as a four-star receiver. And, um, you know, his offer list doesn't match that of a typical four-star receiver. I think a part of that is, um, you know, he hasn't been all over the place. He hasn't been really dialed into the recruitment. Uh, he's a big track guy. He's a, he's a high jumper. But this kid is a physical specimen in the same type of mold as Nick Marsh. Uh, and his name's Davon Hall. He's out of Nebraska. Now, I don't know how many Nebraska players have, have played at Penn State or are currently on the Penn State roster. But I recently saw him at a pylon seven-on-seven -seven tournament. And my big question is, is he the four-star that I think he is? <clears throat> or am I missing something? And he proved to be everything that I hoped he would be and more. Uh, incredible body control, ball skills, can do it all. And like I said, a uh, big, big body guy. Um, so it'll be interesting to see uh, what Penn State's pursuit is of him. But he spoke glowingly of Penn State, was excited to get out there. And he's another one that I would keep an eye on in the 2024 class, not necessarily in your your Illinois, Wisconsin, Michigan kind of uh, yeah. Midwest, but uh, down there in the plains touching the Midwest. Yeah, and that I think that would be huge to at least start some traction for Marcus Hagen. So the same thing that I criticized Luke Fickle for, right, and the new Wisconsin coaching staff about not having its footing yet. I feel like Marcus Haggins, if he can start there with his recruiting impressions uh, since he's been in Virginia for so long and to get prospects like that. Uh, will go a long way because it feels like, yes, you know, there were the guys like like a Chris Godwin and Allen Robinson, at least in the past decade, that really wowed for Penn State wide receivers. <laughs> but that that bona fide, you know, he's a first rounder. He's going to go top 20. 
I feel like Penn State hasn't exactly had that in quite some time, at least at wide receiver, right? You know, there's there's been the running backs, and then Joey Porter Jr. was in that conversation and slid on draft day. But for Marcus Haggins, I think that would be at least a, a good start for his recruiting at that position. And then there's Kalen King, right? Uh, you just recently wrote an article about all these things, dissecting some things with Michigan. <clears throat> We're not going to talk about Michigan. We're not going to talk about the Wolverines on this podcast. This is a Nittany Lions show. But uh, I, I encourage people to go check out your article, Clint, because part of it is looking at the Midwest prospects currently in college that will be potential first-round picks in the NFL. And one of them, because he's from Michigan, Kalen King. I like Kalen King a lot. I have said kind of quietly in the back because Joey <clears throat> Porter Jr. was getting a lot of the notor notoriety since he was supposed to be the first cornerback in Penn State history to be a surefire first-rounder. Depending on how you want to split some hairs, he was picked at 32. Any other time, that's a first-round pick, but we know what happened with the Miami Dolphins situation. Yeah. But then, uh, but Kalen King, I like just the past, at least the past, I want to say in 2022 and a little bit at the end of 2021, I said, you know, hey, over here, uh, Kalen King might end up being better than Joey Porter Jr. So do you agree? Do you think there's a little bit more work for him to do? Uh, can Kalen King be potentially a top, what is he, a top 20, a top 15, a top 10 in your mind? Where does he, what helps him out so much that he can be that type of NFL prospect? And then where ultimately do you think he could land in the first round? Since that is part of the article, which players from the Midwest will go in the first round? Yeah. Um, uh, you know, another Michigan guy that's had success. Yeah. Uh and I was thinking about receivers and you think about the most recent receiver to get drafted reasonably high KJ Hamler, another guy from Michigan. So like yeah. the, the ties, the ties are deep there. So um, the thing that stands out about him. So with Joey Porter, uh, Joey's a physical specimen. You know what I mean? Like he's the dude who, who that's what you want your secondary to look like in the NFL. Why he dropped. I don't know. Technically, uh, he's not a first rounder while technically being a first rounder or at least being the 32nd pick. Um, but yeah. I do think that, that, that King probably has more, I'm not saying upside as a player, but I think he has more draft upside going into this next season. And the reason I okay. say this is his ability to cover. He is a lockdown coverage corner. I loved him coming out of high school. He was a little slight, but he was a very good player. Yeah. Goes to Penn State. Um, now, the first year was significant time, 2021. Had it had its ups and downs. Um, played 279 snaps. He had a 66.4 PFF grade, which is which is okay for a young player. Not great. Um, you know, he, he had only had 135 coverage snaps. Uh, only gave up six receptions on 20 targets that year. So, I mean, all that stuff's pretty good. Um, but then you look into 2022, <clears throat> excuse me, sorry, I get fired up when talking about this stuff. <laughs> he made an incredible transformation. So his first year seeing significant action was almost like an extension of his high school. You know, you're still getting rid of those bad habits. You're still growing physically. You're still yep. developing mentally to understand and, and, and be able to handle the vigors uh, that come with playing at the high college level. Well, he's obviously put in the work because he took that 66.4 grade and made it an 89 overall grade uh, in terms of both run and pass uh, from 21 to 22. So that's a significant increase. Then you want to talk about his coverage grade. 
And it's it's it was of guys who who will be draft eligible next year. He had the second highest coverage grade uh, only to a guy at Toledo. Um, so not hmm. exactly going up against the same level of, of competition. But Kalen King's coverage grade was a 90.6. His coverage percentage, 99.2%. Now, this is all coming from uh, pro football focus. But right. in the 59 times he was targeted, and that doesn't seem, you know, a lot of lockdown corners don't get targeted a ton. But when you had Joey Porter there, they had to go somewhere else. You had to. So for yeah. him to get, yeah. And so for him to get targeted that little, I think it says a lot about what other teams thought of him and then what he did with those targets those 59 targets only turned into 27 receptions now the the 45.8 reception percentage isn't necessarily elite there's a lot that that goes into this uh than just you know the grade on a play from pro football focus we don't know if a guy made a spectacular catch we don't know what's going on with all of Mm -hmm. that but what we do know is he was extremely productive And uh, he had three interceptions. I believe he turned one for a touchdown. So the things that we saw in high school, the things we saw flashes of, you kind of mentioned towards the end of the 21 season, really just came full circle in 22. And he was locked down. I mean, uh, 343 yards total receiving he gave up on. Uh, on 59 targets. I mean, that's that's pretty darn good. The other thing that I like about him too, and this tells you that he's he's a you know he's a smart player. He's always in phase. Is his longest pass that he gave up was 37 yards. Yes, that's a chunk play, um, but that tells you that he's a smart player. He's not letting things get over the top of him. He understands defense. He understands leverage, and then he's got the coverage ability to go with it. He's extremely fluid in the hips. He can outrun. <clears throat> he's not afraid to get physical. He's not a huge corner, but he's got good size. He's in that 5'11", 188, 190 mm-hmm. pound range. But to me, what, what really sticks out is his coverage ability. Uh, the NFL is a man coverage league. Not everybody's playing at every snap, but he's a guy who can walk in there and cover a number one receiver day one. And wow. the other thing you like about him, even though he doesn't play a lot of slot corner right now, he does have that skill set where he'll be able to. He does line up in the box occasionally. Um, so when you've got a guy who can you know, line up in the box and has the want to and, and, and can hold up physically against the run game and then also cover it, cover which is the hardest receiver to cover in the NFL in many cases, the slot receiver, um, you know, those guys are catching 100 balls. For him to be able to put him on an island, um, that is a very, very valuable player, especially when he's got the willing, uh, the willingness and the ability to, to be an extra run defender and fold in if he needs to. So to me, there's just so much upside. I'm, I was a defensive backs coach at the college level for, what, seven, eight years, and um, you know, uh, I take pride in my, in my DB evaluations. Uh, <laughs> I am not an NFL anal- uh, draft an- analyst by any sense of the word, but from what I've seen out there, he's got to be a top three corner, uh, wow. corners are all, yeah. Corners are going to be, uh, you know, you've got like Kool-Aid McKinnistry and, mm-hmm. and guys like that, but um, you know, guys who can cover like, like Kalen, who can run like Kalen, who can play on special teams, they come at a premium. So, um, I could see him going as high as, uh, maybe number 10, uh, down to, you know, number 20, just as things are today. That's, that's yeah. assuming his development remains the same. He remains productive. Elf. Um, yep. there's, 
Yeah. And, and there's a chance he gets targeted even less next year. So yep. sometimes that can woe you to sleep. And all of a sudden there's a chunk play over your head. So I think it'll say a lot about how dialed in he is to the game. Um, you know, with how he responds to probably the limited amount of targets that he's going to get next season. So as things are today and just projecting wise skill set, upside, looking at what else is out there. Uh, I see him in the 10 to 20 range, um, but so much can change between now and, and the next draft. Clint, this was a lot of fun. Clint Cosgrove over at rivals and uh, Yahoo sports. Clint, before I let you go, where can people keep up with your incredible work? Go to Rivals.com and go to Rivals underscore Clint on Twitter. That's where I'm most active. Uh, I've got weekly features, whether it be, uh, you know, fact or fiction, three-point stance. I do recruiting updates. Um, I oversee the Midwest, so I'm the national analyst for Rivals. Uh, We break that up by region. I oversee the Midwest. So a lot of the guys that Penn State is in on right now and is uh, landing right now are guys that I'm very familiar with. And uh, if you want to see my work, it's it's all on Rivals.com, or you can just Google Rivals Clint and uh, usually find a, a decent amount of content. And if Penn State uh, continues its dominance out in the Midwest, hopefully we can have a conversation like this again uh, in the not-too-distant future, Clint. I appreciate your time. Thank you. Yeah, thanks a ton for having me on. I had a blast. I'd love to come on again.